Welcome to Triple Threat Theater. Triple Threat Theater. Triple Threat Theater. However, I believe there is a more immediate threat. Thousands and thousands of feet of film consumed. Hours and hours of work expended by technicians. And once it's been erased and shredded, it can be done all over again. As all of you know, I've devoted much of my life to convincing the world that travel through film was not only possible, but necessary to survive. Welcome back to a very special episode of Triple Threat Theater. My name is Ryan Miller. And I'm Joe Daxberger. Do you know why this episode is special, Dax? Hit it. Because this is the third episode of Triple Threat Theater. Oh, look at that. It's the one and only time this will be the third episode. Mm -hmm. It's your lucky number, too. Is it? It is now. (laughs) Do you have a lucky number? Um, I can't say I do. Yeah, it's one of those weird things where, like, you know, favorite color, favorite this or that, and then, like, lucky number. I've never really had a lucky number, but when I was a kid, I actually used to think that my lucky number was 25 because that was the cost that a quarter would get you in an arcade machine. I like it. (laughs) Random factoid. I can roll with that. That is why my uh, email address has 2525 at the end of it. (laughs) No. Oh, my God. Yep. Years, years of friendship later. Now it's look. all coming together. Because Question, <laughs> questions I never knew to ask are answered. Because <laughs> my, you know, my email is lark twenty five twenty five. My original email was lark, and then uh-huh. at some point I had to like get a new email, so I went with lark twenty five. And then third time's the charm. So I guess three is my lucky oh. number. <laughs> lark twenty five twenty five. That's been like my email and my fucking internet oh. handle ever since. It's out there in the world now. That's it. Uh, what is Lark again? <laughs> this is going even deeper into the weird depths of my past. Um, oh here, did you ever play the old computer game um, Scorched Earth? Absolutely not. It's like, do you know what it is? Nope. Do you know the game Worms? No. You don't know Worms? <laughs> no. <laughs> Oh, God, how do I even describe it then? Okay, so Worms is a game. It's like cartoony little worms. They kind of look like Earthworm Jim without the body. And uh, you just take turns with the person you're playing against, like picking weapons. And it's one of those games where you have to, like, hit the other character with your weapons, but you, like, aim with an arc, and then you have to, like, get the angles right, and, you know, you'll shoot, and it'll arc, and hopefully you'll hit your enemy. Do you know the kind of game I'm talking about? It sounds like a fever dream, but sure. (laughs) There's like a, a phone game that's kind of popular right now that's the same thing, but it's with, it's like uh, archers and you're shooting arrows. But anyway, Scorched Earth was this old, shitty graphics computer game that we had on the first computer that we ever had in this house, which was a Tandy before we had the internet. And what? the brand of computer was Tandy. <laughs> I don't know. Do I sound like a crazy person? Yep. And but so, continue. Scorched Earth was this game with tanks. And it was two tanks, two different colors, and you were just on this, like, randomly generated terrain that was, like, just little mountains and valleys. And you would have to, like, angle and shoot. And then if you were, like, an inch or two in front of your enemy, then after they shot, you'd try and, like, angle a little further. And it would destroy the environment. So if you hit the ground near them, they'd, like, roll down into the the crater you made. But all that's not really necessary for this. Basically, once upon a time, I was playing Scorched Earth on my computer when I was a kid, 
and uh, I was going to put in a username, and I didn't know what name to put, so I asked my mom for some random letters. I was like, give me three consonants and a vowel, and those are the three consonants and a vowel she gave me, and I turned it into the closest thing I could to a word, which was Lark. <laughs> and then ever since that then, unreal. Lark2525, now you know the entire history of this my username, amazing. which really has nothing to do with movies, which is what we're actually nothing. here to talk about. Not not even not even a little, but hey, we love a tangent here. Triple <laughs> I love a good tangent in all facets of life. Uh, so, um, third episode, mm-hmm. talking about three movies. Mm-hmm. Also, I swear to God, this podcast is not a horror movie themed podcast or a monster movie themed podcast, but this is just by chance. By the role of the random number generator, this is the third episode where we'll be talking about monster movies. We promise there's more diversity here. I just, I, I, if we get a fourth, like there are more monster movie categories sure. we've come up with, but if we get a fourth one in a row, there's something weird going on here. Well, that just means we're going to have like a real string of odd, like non horror related ones coming up after horror, like grown up drama movie. <laughs> We got some heat in there, people. I hope you're ready. There are over a hundred like uh, subjects that we have chosen, mm-hmm. like For you, over a hundred trios of movies we have picked. Not nearly all of them are horror. No. Uh, so uh, this episode, uh, size doesn't matter. You want to explain the reasoning behind that uh, title to the people, Dax? I do. Let me just rattle off a few titles, please. And the, pe- the people will know. Mm-hmm. Critters. Yes. Ghoulies. Yes. Gremlins. Gotta have it. Gotta come. Gotta catch them all. Little monsters. Little bastards. <laughs> Oddly, though, we're not doing the movie Little Monsters starring Howie Mandel. Interesting fact. But, yeah, Howie Mandel does the voice of Gizmo in Gremlins, so. Just learned that myself. <laughs> It's all the tangents are strong in this episode. Milzy, it's all connected. <laughs> this is like a good season of Lost. <laughs> so the first season? Yes. <clears throat> I'm, I'm, I'm just kidding. I, I like most of Lost. Don't. At least half of Lost. Don't open that tangent, please. I like one and a half seasons of Lost. Oh, good thing there was 12. There were only right. six. I digress. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's actually talk about what we're here to talk about. So... Small bastards. <laughs> Movies about diminutive monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like what we normally do is we go in chronological order of release. Well, let's not change things now. Yeah. So depending on where you look, Ghoulies came out in either 84 or 85. So let's <laughs> go with the one we know came out in 84, which is Gremlins. Okay, mister. Here it is. Oh, right. What about your grandfather? Look at what he said. He's crazy. We need the money. Now, come on. You want it or not? I want it. Look, mister. There's three rules you've got to follow. Yeah, what kind of rules? Keep him out of the light. He hates bright light, especially sunlight. It'll kill him. And keep him away from water. Don't get him wet. But the most important rule, the rule you can never forget, no matter how much he cries, no matter how much he begs, Never, never feed him after midnight. You got it? Sure, kid. Whatever you say. Hey, listen, thanks. And have a Merry Christmas. As far as I could tell, people said that 
while Ghoulies was written before Gremlins, it did come out after. Yeah, um, I think I think it might have. I think Ghoulies might have premiered in Europe in like '84, but then it was released in America in '85 or oh. something crazy like that. We'll get to it during the mo- during the discussion, but. Mm-hmm. Nothing about that would seem surprising to me based on this movie. <laughs> yeah. But uh let yeah, let's dive into Gremlins here. Um 1984. I was two. You were <laughs> I was I negative one. I was gonna say you're minus six or something, you young <laughs> bastard. Yeah, I was born in eighty five, so this movie came out in like June or July, so Okay. Uh summer of eighty four and mm-hmm. uh your history with Gremlins. I'm assuming you have some form of history with this film. It's robust. Um, I've <laughs> probably seen Gremlins a hundred times. Oh, um, I watched it a lot growing up. It was one of those like taped over VHS that I've gone on and on about. I know those well. Um, I haven't seen it in a while. Mm-hmm. Probably in in total, watching from beginning to end, fifteen years probably. Wow. I've watched a lot. I've seen, for whatever reason, I've watched the first half of that movie several times over the years, but never finished it. Mm-hmm. Regardless. I mean, I pretty much know most of the movie front and back anyways. Yeah. Um, I am less familiar with Gremlins. It's it's the same case for me with the Terminator movies. I saw Terminator 2 first and have seen mm-hmm. it far more times than I've seen Terminator 1. Okay. Uh, so the details get a little fuzzy sometimes. Same thing with Gremlins. I'm pretty positive I saw two before one. Um, and I love the hell out of two. I know it's a completely batshit insane movie, um, but I think that movie is just a complete blast and how crazy it is. And by comparison, since I have more of a history with two and I have a fondness for that one that I don't quite have as much for the first... Um, I think the first Gremlins feels a little pedestrian to me sometimes. I don't know if that's a hot take. Um, it's slightly warm, at least. I would say I haven't seen two in a long time. Mm-hmm. I've seen it plenty of times when I was younger, but that's one I like. I remember bits and pieces. Um, but I'd like to see it again. It's mm-hmm. certainly. I mean, it's it's one of those like Hollywood stories that. Uh, is it Joe Dante? Yep. Um. Yeah, he said, if you're going to bring me back for a second one, I'm doing whatever I want. And that's yeah. what he wanted to do, was make the craziest goddamn Gremlins movie ever. Yeah, they basically said to him, hey, the first one was such a like surprise success. Please come back and do it. And he was like, ah, I don't really want to do a sequel. And they're like, we'll let you do anything you want. And he's like, anything? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, just made a complete train wreck of a movie that didn't make money. But yeah. God, I love it looking back on it. It's nuts. The parts I remember are crazy, of course. Yeah. Um, I think that one just appeals to a child more, which is like what I was when I first saw it, because it's just like so cartoony and like uh there's cartoony elements to the first one. Yeah. But the second one is just like, like this gremlin turned into a bat and this Mm -hmm. one turned into a really smart gremlin and then there's a spider gremlin. And And it's just like if that movie was popular, they were printing money with like all the toys they could have made. And Gizmo was Rambo. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, as a kid, um, the Aliens toys based on the movies were like one of my favorite things when I was like six or seven years old, whenever they came out. And in that case, like all the aliens pretty much looked the same. So they just had to make up a bunch of shit, the snake alien and the 
the right, bull right. alien and the gorilla alien. And like, I had them all. I loved playing with them, but like gremlins like did that right in the movie. <laughs> they wouldn't yeah. have had to make that shit up if it was popular very, enough, but it wasn't <laughs> very robust, but um, sorry, go ahead. Well, back to the original. Yeah. I was, I was going to try and well, segue us back there as well. <laughs> well I, w- I would ask you what genre is gremlins two? Um, now are you looking for a strict, like one name or would you not accept horror comedy? I mean, okay. I mean, if you had to pick one though, let's just start there. Um, I think it's more comedy than horror personally. Okay. Okay. Me too. Um, it's like, you know, it's one of those weird distinctions. It's something I've talked about with Jesse numerous times on the, uh, the sidetrack podcast, but like, like just because a movie has monsters doesn't make it a horror movie. Correct. Um, now there are like weird little distinctions in there, like gray areas, but I think I always go back to what was the goal of the filmmakers when they made it. And I feel like gremlins was trying harder to make the audience laugh than to scare them. Yes. Now that is a, completely individual opinion to me like not that other people can't share it but that's how i view the movie so i view it more as a comedy well yes i mean me too especially watching it through this last time mm-hmm. um because i watched it right around christmas and then i rewatched like the last half hour of it recently um it's definitely funny it goes for the laughs it's even because like i was saying how i've seen like the first half a lot more than I've seen the whole thing recent in recent years. Mm-hmm. Like I forgot kind of how like all the goofy segments with the gremlins themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like completely cartoony. Completely. Like, which I remember that from the second one more than the first one. Yeah. But, I'm kind of the same way where I always viewed the first one as being like a little more straightforward and less goofy. Right. I mean, like you, I knew the story about Joe Dante wanting to do the second one, just like a complete cartoon, but like, as soon as the gremlins show up as Christmas carolers outside someone's house in this movie right. and they're wearing tiny little clothes, like where would they get those? Like, mm-hmm. I feel like that was the mo- the moment for me watching this one where I was like, oh, it's this ridiculous. Like, right. I, I didn't remember because I haven't seen this one as many times. Yeah. And actually, I do like that angle. Like, I think it's um, it's um, I love this movie anyway. I mean, there's no denying that. But it's like funner for me with the goofy kind of aspect of it because yeah rather than just being like horrifying creatures they got that the funny angle to me makes it a lot of fun like um there's just so many bits with uh like when they throw that old lady on on her stairmaster and she shoots out the window yeah that's that's great but all like their little like kind of talking and like the laughing and giggling and just like one you know they're in the bar and one of them's hanging from the ceiling fan like Mm -hmm. i couldn't help but laugh especially this time watching it (laughs) Yeah, I like all that stuff. Um, even with all that like backloaded in the movie, though, I have to say, and this may also be a hot take, uh, I definitely think I like the first half better than the second half. Yeah, yeah I would go with that. I'd have no problem agreeing I mean, with I that. do like the chaos and all, but the first half is just that 80s like teen dramedy yeah. feel mm-hmm. to everything but with yeah. humor it's like a lot of a lot of 80s movies just couldn't help but have like funny random stuff like mm-hmm. there's no real reason that uh, the main character's father 
had to be an inventor that made like gadgets that were always malfunctioning. Right. Just so they could have like weird props that were like shooting orange juice and all. But mm-hmm. that's just that, the eighties. Yeah, it totally adds something and it just gives it that little bit of a feeling of like Doc Brown and his like, you know, crazy dog food dispensing machine in the beginning of Back to the Future and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I love all of those elements and just the small town at Christmas and the um, what's her name? The uh, like the really bitchy woman in town. Uh, oh, uh, Miss Deagle. Yeah. Like all of that stuff. I just love the feel and the tone mm-hmm. of it. And I then it can. is great when in the second half you take that like standard comfortable movie that you're used to and then just throw in not only monsters, but. It's like not even quote unquote realistic monsters. It's just it's literally like throwing in Looney Tunes characters a little bit. Yeah, more or less. I mean, it, it, that much more in the sequel, but this one, yeah, like we we're saying, is certainly those aspects. You know, it was like a big a big point in the movie too. It's like the mother's battle scene in the kitchen. Yeah, like that's when the the really like the volume gets turned up to eleven in the movie, <laughs> which is like that. That's probably the scene that sticks out most to me from when I was younger. Yeah, like her, she shoves one of the gremlins in like a blender or something and then cooks one in the microwave. Like mm-hmm. I definitely, that's one of the standout scenes for me from mm-hmm. the original that the uh, Miss Eagle <laughs> flying out the window right, on her right. little chairlift thing. A random uh, factoid is that it was, I always thought it was just uh, um, Indiana Jones, the Temple of Doom that like pushed Hollywood to get the PG-13. But it oh was yeah, this, this is one movie. of those. It was these two movies mm-hmm. because of scenes like the kitchen scene. Like there was some, uh, I don't know if by, I guess by 84 standards over the top violence, but a lot of people had a lot of problems with that. Yeah. It's one of those weird cases of like, I mean, they are like monsters that if you, if you don't look at the exact context of the movie, it's like, these are creatures that are trying to like kill and potentially eat people or something. And you see like people get scratched and then you see like Miss Deagle go flying out the window in like a cartoony fashion and you don't see like a close up of her bloody face on the ground or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I it's it's weird because it's in those scenes like in the kitchen, it is still kind of humorous, but it's also a little bit harrowing for sure. Um, so I guess I can see why this is one of those movies that kind of pushed the limit, but it is not like your standard eighties monster movie where no. there's like a huge body count that you can quantify. Yeah. There's only, um, I actually read that too. There's only, oh no, I'm trying to, I can't remember because of the, the three movies. I can't remember. There's one I think you might be thinking of critters, which I was surprised to discover because I've seen that movie a bunch of times, but it never occurred to me only two people die in that movie. Yeah, okay, it is that one, yeah. But like in this one, I mean, do you see the uh, the science teacher die, or do we just assume that he's dead? Like You see you see his dead body's like underneath the desk. With okay, the, with yeah, the you see like his, his legs leg sticking out or something. Mm-hmm. And then again, Miss Deagle, but there's not a whole lot of specific instances, and you don't really like watch people die. Right. Um. But and then like you know when it comes to the gremlins themselves they have green blood don't they? They do. So there's always that thing of like if you change the blood to a different color then you can get away with just about anything. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, I I guess I still see the point of the whole their whole rating switch. Yeah, thing. yeah. Um, 
That'd I mean, it definitely sick. would, it, even though I do view it more as a comedy, it definitely would probably be troubling for certain children to watch. Yeah, it's even like even the three movies that we're talking about tonight, the, you know, they're not the same genre. Mm-hmm. They could be, you know, on one hand, you could just say these are horror movies. Yeah. A lot of people say Gremlins is a dark comedy more yeah. than anything else. I read that quite a bit the last few days. Yeah, I I would go with that. I absolutely um, would. But, you know, at the same time, you know, if you just asked me in general, I might say monster movie. I don't know. It would probably change on the day and what mood I'm in. But <laughs> right. It's, one it's definitely those. not easy to pin down, like no, as easy no. as you would think. And definitely one of those movies that just wouldn't get made today, I feel like. Yeah. Um, it's just such a product of the 80s, which makes me love it that much more, you know. Yeah, I... um. I mean, if I can't imagine something like this getting made today, but it wouldn't be like a, I don't know how big the budget was, but this was like a major studio film mm-hmm. at the time. Um, right. Like the the thing that I can think of that's closest to it in like style and tone is Krampus from like a couple years yeah. ago. Okay, that guy, I agree. Completely. I think is in that mode, but I do think that is more horrific while also being funny. Yes. Like the creatures are just like weirder and more disturbing in that one. Yeah. But. Yeah. Fits in that same ballpark, I think. I'll go with that. But um, also uh, one other fact I read about Gremlins is the the town square, mm-hmm. same same town from Back to the Future, same oh, really? set, same set. Yeah, it was on the same back lot. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I guess cover it in snow and shoot it from different angles, and you don't really know. Yeah, what year was uh, Back to the Future? Was that eighty two or eighty three? I think that was eighty. Or oh, 85. Five, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure oh. it was. But uh, yeah, you can definitely, because I read that beforehand, before I watched it this time, and sure enough, you could definitely pick out a bunch of stuff that looks <laughs> like it. Yeah, I did not take notice. I feel like I might have heard that before, but I, I wasn't conscious of it this viewing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's, uh, so we mentioned earlier that Howie Mandel does the voice of uh, of Gizmo. Um, do you know who does the voice of Stripe? Uh, it's, I can't, it's, no, go ahead. Frank Welker, who is a very well-known voice actor. Mm -hmm. And I've heard this before. I don't know if it's true, but, uh, rumor is that he has the most credits of any actor on all of IMDb. Uh, as of the other day when I looked, he has 813 (gasps) credits. Jesus. Because he's just like a voice actor extraordinaire. Um, yeah. Like he does, uh, he does a lot of animals. Like he apparently has this weird ability to do like strange things with his voice that not everyone can do. So he does a lot of like creature and animal noises. Like, um, uh, do you ever watch uh, Futurama? Yeah, Nibbler on Futurama when he's not like I, he actually might do his like deep talking voice as well. But when he's just like making animal noises and. Um, or like the horrible gelatinous blob who like <laughs> just makes like weird gurgling noises and things like he does mm-hmm. the the quote unquote voices for those. I love it. Like, yeah, Frank, we need you to come and do a blob today. <laughs> yeah. OK, but I know on some of the Futurama commentaries, I've heard them talk about the fact that he can like he has some kind of weird ability that not many people have where he can produce like two different pitches with his voice at the same time. To like create strange effects when he's doing sounds of like animals and things. It's wow. it's weird. I need to learn more. Yeah, Frank Welker. 
has gotten a lot of work. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, doing the voices of just miscellaneous gremlins in this movie, you have Michael Winslow, the sound effects guy from Police Academy. Ah, uh, yes. And okay. Peter Cullen, the voice of Optimus Prime. Oh, no shit. Yeah, just doing like random gremlin voices. Oh, all right. <clears throat> Go ahead, gremlins. <laughs> um, some other random interesting things uh, that I discovered watching this movie. Do you Are you familiar with the actor Nicky Cat? No. Um, you've seen The Way of the Gun? Yeah, but I couldn't tell you anything about it, unfortunately. Uh, in The Way of the Gun, he plays like one of the kind of hitman characters. Um, fun little factoid for fans of Stockpile Comics. Um, my comic Mangol, the lead character Nick, is named after Nicky Cat. Oh, look at you. Nick for Nicky Cat, and his character in Way of the Gun is named Obex, so Nick Obex, that's where I got his name from. Oh, very uh, nice. Because he's just like one of those kind of that guy character actors that I've always liked. Mm-hmm. And his first ever acting credit is as a miscellaneous school child in this movie. No shit. Never would have fucking known. Oh. <laughs> but uh, I think uh, I think he was like named Nick Cat in the credits or something. And I was like, could that be? Because his last name is spelled with a K and it, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's a little unusual. And I looked it up and yep, it's him. Sure enough. Wow. It's yeah. all connected, Millsy. It's all connected. <laughs> Uh, also in this movie, another great that guy actor, especially in like eighties, uh, like horror and sci-fi stuff, is Dick Miller as Mer- as uh, Murray Futterman, the old guy who uh, is he next door neighbors or he just like lives nearby? The neighbor the with cultures. the bulldozer. Yeah, yeah, he's the neighbor. You know who he is, right? Did you recognize him? Yeah, he's seen him in a thousand things, right? Yeah, uh, one of the other classics for him is. Um, in uh, the first Terminator, he's uh, when uh, Arnold goes into the gun shop and he's oh, like looking at all the guns yeah, and then yeah, he yeah. loads one and the guy who runs the gun shop is like, hey, you can't do that. And then he gets blown away. That's him, too. <laughs> nice. But he's been in a ton of stuff. There's actually an entire documentary about him called That Guy Dick Miller because he's oh, one of those that guy man. actors that I, I watched that. not too long ago on Amazon. Yeah, I need to see that. And uh, he's just had like a crazy long career and been in a billion things. But nice. I always like seeing that guy pop up. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's uh, touch on the effects a little. Oh, okay. Because um, I did some research about this. Of course, you know, when I'm younger, I think, every, you know, everything from the 80s looked amazing. And now when I see stuff when I'm older, I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> like... <laughs> Not to say Gremlins looks bad, because I don't think it does. Mm-hmm. But you can definitely see some parts where it's like straight, like someone shaking a puppet. Like, yeah. Oh, there's a lot this... of that. If you look in the background when it's like crowd shots oh, of all of them, because yeah. like the one or two in the front will be puppeteered and the rest are mm-hmm. just like jiggling pieces <laughs> yeah. of foam. There's like not as much, like I've, f- there's a decent amount of animatronics, but I, f- I feel like I just would have guessed that there was even more than what was there. Mm-hmm. I read that they they built there's a few different gizmos because though any close up of gizmo is like a giant version it's not like a little life sized gizmo yeah so like they even had to like they made like uh, giant versions of food for him to eat <laughs> so it all matched up which I thought was interesting did you read the fun little factoid that before going with puppets, they actually tried to put yes. gremlin costumes on monkeys? Dude, come on. The monkey went nuts and <laughs> shit all over the office. Yeah. As soon as they put the masks on the monkeys, they'd freak out and they couldn't <laughs> yeah. be controlled. Yeah. They're running up the walls, defecating everywhere. I mean, come on. Yeah. 
that's just I mean, it's just a hilarious little tidbit. Like, I that makes me think of um, in Alien Three when they did the dog Alien. Yes. Uh, before they did rod puppets, they actually took like a greyhound because it's like a svelte <laughs> mm-hmm. dog, and they put the alien costume on it. And mm-hmm. when you watch the footage, the behind the scene footage, it's it's not scary at all. It's adorable because <laughs> the alien's <laughs> running around wagging its tail. And... <laughs> But yeah, I love all that kind of shit. <laughs> no, I think I think Gizmo look great, and the the Gremlins do look great. As even though they don't have much in the way of animatronics, which is fine. I mean, yeah, I mean, what, what are you gonna do? Here and there, you get good close up shots of them, and when there's like one on screen, it usually looks pretty good. There's times where the effects are suspect, like um, the big like wide shot, which was I think the one stop motion thing in the movie when uh, it's like the crowd of them walking through the streets towards the camera and it's like so obviously stop motion but I don't see that and go that looks bad I just see it and I'm like I know how they did that I would say just off the top of my head there was like three times where I was like was that stop stop, uh, motion Mm -hmm. and I tried to look online quickly to see but it seemed like no one was talking about if there was stop motion or not (laughs) it's a well kept secret over there at Amblin Entertainment but you know that's fine. Um, it was kind of it made me think back to when we talked about Deep Star Six and mm-hmm. how they had that like that nicely painted giant monster and they would just flop it around because it didn't <laughs> yeah. have any like built in action. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely a lot of that with Gremlins, but I'm sure fine with it. it's I do feel like charm. though where it counts, like these things actually seem to have personalities and yes, that that's probably the best way of looking at it. Is where it counts, they did mm-hmm. it right. Yeah. Which I'm perfectly fine with. I find this movie to be charming. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Like, anytime it is, like, one-on-one and there's one gremlin in the room, then they they do a pretty good job with it. Like, when it gets into the crowd scenes, yeah. I mean, at that point, when they're doing, like, all of them in the bar and everything, it's kind of goofy anyway, so. Mm -hmm. But I did good with the uh, melting stripe at the end. It looked pretty good. Yeah, that was good. So That, I'm not sure how exactly that was done. Like, it could be some form of uh, stop motion, maybe, but I don't think so. Um, I'm wondering if they didn't do what they did in The Fly when um, when Brundlefly vomits on uh, Stathis's hand and, like, mm-hmm. melts it. They made, like, uh, they took, like, uh, um, like, fake bones and they put, like, a, a molded wax fist around it. And then they put like a layer of red inside and then they hit it with a heat gun and then they played it in fast motion to show the melting. And when like the top layer melted, the red came through and was dripping down to look like blood. Um, I'm wondering if they did something like that because the melting did look good in this. Yeah. And I know they used, um, there's a couple points where it like looks like he's breathing, you know, it's like a balloon or something. Mm -hmm. Oh, they used to use a lot of air bladders for special effects. Anytime there's like a transformation in an 80s monster movie, it's usually just, like, bladders pumping, and, like, mm-hmm. that's what makes all the, the skin move around. And that's what uh, the the baby gremlins, or the baby mogwai, especially when they're, like, uh, pulsating when he first gets wet. Mm-hmm. That's what I read that those were all just balloons, too. Which is, yeah. That just makes me love the 80s, man. It's like, I know. More and more, it's like, that must have been so much fun, like, stressful and fun at the time to have to figure that stuff out rather than... We'll make it on a computer, which sounds like the old guy complaint, I know, but sure. it just makes, it's not so much, and I'm not even shitting on CGI movies, it's just, I find that more interesting, like that era where they had to like problem solve. Yeah, it's like when you, 
like these days, if you want something to look a certain way, you can do it in a computer and it will look great. But back then, like you almost had to, it, it had to look however you could make it look and you could strive mm-hmm. to make it look a certain way. But if you had a budget restraint, then, mm-hmm. you know, who's to say what you're going to end up with. Um, interesting point though. I brought up the fly a minute ago. Uh, Chris Wallace, who did the special effects for the fly was actually the lead practical effects guy on this movie. Oh, nice. So it's a very okay. good chance. They actually did do that melting thing I was talking about <laughs> since that's one of his bags of tricks. I'll go with it. Like um, there's so many fucking little things about this cast. There's one or two I got to go back to. <laughs> um, so, uh, Jonathan Banks. Do you know who that is? Which character was he? The deputy, like not the the main cop, but the other one that's like sitting there making fun of uh, Zach when he comes into the police station. No, I don't. He's like he's sitting at the desk. Yep. Um, I know you don't watch Better Call Saul, but you watched Breaking Bad, yes? Correct. He played Mike on Breaking Bad. Oh, no. Oh, now you say that, I remember <laughs> thinking that. Yeah, I'm like looking through oh, the cast shit. list and I'm like, Jonathan Banks, that name sounds really familiar. And I clicked on it and I was like, that's him? See, and like he'll just always be like, Mike. what's Mike's name in Breaking Bad? Um, well, his name in Breaking Bad is Mike. Well, what's his last name? Oh. Um, it's like Er something. Er Ermin Trout. Yeah. That's like that's all I think of him. Like he doesn't have a real name to yeah. me because he's like because he's Mike. But I, I remember when I saw that for a second, I was like, "Wait, is that Mike from Breaking Bad?" And then I <laughs> just forgot. So that, that's awesome that you brought that up. Yeah, that is actually him. And then, um, you know, you got fucking Corey Feldman in here. Um, this yeah. is only his fourth performance in a movie. Um, he was mm. pretty young at this point. Um, he had done the voice of the fox, or no, the hound. He'd done a voice in the fox and the hound for Disney. Okay. And he had done the fourth Friday the 13th right before this. And then he had like kind of an uncredited kid role in a movie called Time After Time. But then this was like, I feel like this was like his second big role after Friday the 13th. Huh. And then he, yeah, because he's not in it much either. No. Grandma's. He's just like, you know, local kid. Yeah, he ruins everything and leaves. Yeah, basically. Hmm. And then um, also uh, Judge Reinhold. Oh, of course, your boy. Who, yeah, um, not terribly long ago, uh, Brian and I, uh, our buddy and I, did uh, a little Judge Reinhold movie marathon and watched like a bunch of his old uh, 80s movies. And so I was even more excited to see him in this. Like Mm -hmm. I knew he was in there, but I forgot how little he's in it. I think he's only in two scenes. Um, One bank scene and one bar scene, I think. Yeah, and then when you read more about the movie, there were actually like more scenes with him, but then they got cut. I guess huh. they were just extraneous, but he plays a good bastard in that movie. He does. He can play a good asshole or like someone who's really aloof. He's good at both of those things and he makes great facial expressions. Mm-hmm. But it would have been awesome to cuz I don't think you get to see it. It would have been awesome to see him like running down the street with a gremlin on his back or something. You're right. That would have been great. Yeah. Um So yeah, I all in all, um, it's it's weird. Like, I think because I love the second one so much, I just always assume that the first one is like on the same level for me. But then when I watch it, I feel like it's always slightly disappointing, just because it's not like the on the same level as the mm-hmm. second. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, well, I mean, it's opposite for me, of course, but it's all about the history. You know? mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. I mean, I. I. 
I do like this movie a good bit, but uh, it's weird. It's like while I definitely consider it among like those great 80s practical effects like sci-fi and horror and fantasy movies, mm-hmm. um, it's not like it's not top of the list for me. It's uh, it's a fun movie, but um, I don't know. I, I feel like I view it slightly lower on the list of, of that stuff than everybody else maybe. Or maybe I'm just nuts. Well, I mean, I'd like to see what the list is to really tell how nuts you are. (laughs) Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's one of those seminal movies of this type of like, you know, your Indiana Joneses and your Back to the Futures and your Ghostbusters and all that stuff from. from... Yeah, I I see it that way myself. personally. Yeah. And like I view it along with those, but it's closer to the bottom of the list for me. Yeah, I mean that would make sense for sure. Yeah, like I I know sitting down to watch it this time, I hadn't seen it in probably maybe three years or something like that, and I was looking forward to going back and revisiting, especially because I knew that we were going to talk about it on the show, and um, somehow, as I was watching it, I was like disappointed that I wasn't enjoying it more than I was, mm. which may sound weird because I'm talking about the movie very reverently, but like I love I love everything about it. It's just um. It's not Gremlins 2. Yeah, I think it's weird, but I think that's it. (laughs) Oh, hey. We can live with that. Yeah. Should we move on? Sure. Let's do it. Um, Second movie on the docket is uh, Ghoulies, aforementioned Ghoulies, from uh, Mm -hmm. Empire Pictures, the brainchild of Charles Band. Okay. Should I know who he is? Uh, The studio that brought us such movies as The Reanimator and From Beyond. Crawl Space, Cellar Dweller, Robot Jocks, uh, an early Clive Barker horror film, Rawhead Rex. Oh, okay. Um, I, you've seen the Canon Films documentary, right? I have. Great fucking documentary. Love, it's amazing. Um, there is a, there was a Kickstarter like two years ago for a guy who's making a documentary about this studio, Empire Pictures, and I cannot wait for it to finally come out. Nice. It sounds like it's probably going to come out sometime a little later this year, finally. But um, yeah, it's just this is another one of those like smallish studios that like everybody recognizes like the logo when it pops up on screen because you watched a ton of this stuff back in the day. But it's like uh-huh. kind of forgotten now. Okay. And Ghoulies, I believe, was one of their first major hmm. releases. That was fun. Yeah, let's go get another beer. <laughs> nice try, John. Where's Robin? I don't know. Maybe the toad monster got her. I don't think that's very funny. Well, she's not the kind who would just leave. Honey, I think we better go to fun. Yeah, come on. No, no, wait. I, I need to dismiss the spirit. So do I. Where's the bathroom? Upstairs. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Yeah. What do you think of the movie Ghoulies? I don't think much of it. <laughs> Thank uh, God. <laughs> um, now, here's the thing. I 
if you had asked me a week ago, have I ever seen ghoulies before? I would have said a resounding yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but watching it, I don't think I've ever seen this before. Nice. Um, I was very aware of the like the poster and the movie cover with the, the ghoulie coming out of the toilet. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd seen that a million times over. And there is a sequel, Ghoulies 2. Actually, there might be like three or four of them. but There are four, I think. Yeah. I may have seen one of the sequels. Um, it's one of those movies where I feel like there's like two visuals from it that I remember and nothing else from my youth. And watching this film, neither of those visuals uh, popped up on screen at any time. So mm-hmm. maybe I saw one of the sequels. Maybe it's another movie or maybe I just dreamed it. But okay, I'm assuming you had never seen it before. Um, it was one of those ones I was unsure. I was like. This feels like a movie Tony would have had me watch at some point, but I just don't remember. <laughs> but it has like a quote unquote iconic movie poster for sure. Mm-hmm. Like seen that a billion times, like just the name Ghoulies, you know, like it's just like an iconic name even. Yeah. But for an iconic name and movie poster, let me tell you, <laughs> this movie is a dumpster fire. <laughs> Uh, since I doubt as many people have seen this as Gremlins, you want to try and give us a brief synopsis if you can? Oh boy. Um, sure. It (laughs) opens hard and fast with, uh, satanic worshiping. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a, some, uh, 40-ish year old looking dad fella. He does look uh, like a dad performing a satanic ritual. Just spouting the most ridiculous made-up dialogue you've ever heard. I swear that, like, they told him just to make up a bunch, like, speak in tongues, and he I swear he kept saying the word suplex. He would right. just be saying random things, and then I would hear suplex, and I'm like, am I am I hearing things? I mean, I'll, I'll jump ahead to the point just to say there's a lot of speaking in tongues in this movie, possibly more than any other movie. <laughs> yeah. But, okay, so dad guy... Uh, Satan worshipping or whatever worshipping, ghoulie worshipping. His old lady's there. They've got an infant. Um, he takes the infant to sacrifice. Mm-hmm. She steals him back. Mm-hmm. Uh, gives him to the groundskeeper. Yeah. And then he takes off. Mm-hmm. Um, Smash cut too. Is it then... <sighs> It's like 20 years later or something. And yeah, the, you never see what happened to the dad, right? Uh, you never see how he ends up dead. Right, okay. <laughs> Spoiler alert. So, so yeah, hard, <laughs> painful smash cut. Uh, the infant is now an adult. He's in college. Yep, he's in college. He's just uh, He's just inherited this home where the previous Satan worshipping had gone on. Yeah, it's I'm like sorry. a big old mansion... With like a bunch of dead trees and shit yeah, around just it. Yeah, just a dump. Yeah. A real shithole. <laughs> but it looks like, it's not even, when I say shithole, it's not even like a, it's not like the house from It or something. It's more like a gold castle. Yeah, it almost looks like some like dilapidated building up in the Hollywood Hills. And then they yes. like threw some some leaves down to make it look like yeah. fall. And then I'll go with there. that for sure. He's there with his girlfriend. He's inherited this house. Uh... I don't know, like some going-ons, and then they say they're going to invite a bunch of friends over for a party, 
Um, so a bunch of cannon fodder shows up. <laughs> One of them is uh, the lady from Law and Order. Yeah, Mariska Hardigay, mm-hmm. daughter so- of Jane's, Jane Mansfield. Actress on 19 consecutive seasons of Law & Order SVU. Damn. This was her first acting gig. First movie, Ghoulies. <laughs> so she's one of, like, uh, she's not as insufferable as some of the other weirdos that are at this party. Mm-hmm. But, again, the scene where people are talking normal is full of gibberish dialogue that barely makes sense. You know, there's that one, that one friend who talks like... Uh, what was that one guy, Millsy? He talks like uh Oh, um Rat Boy like or Rat Boy, yeah. Is that what, no Toad Boy, Toad Boy. Toad Boy, yeah. He's all of a sudden they just pan to this guy talking this weird, weirdo voice, like, oh that's Toad Boy, blah blah blah. And then there's a couple other stoner friends, and it's just it's just Yeah, you've basically got two random hot chicks. Yep. You've got Toad Boy, which it's it's like a character. It's kind of like the Shermanator from the American Pie movies. It's like okay. a guy who's like kind of meek, like nebbish dude, and he's not good with the ladies. And he's decided that if he like acts like this weird made up persona of his, that that will somehow ingratiate him to to women. And it seems to work oddly enough in this. But yeah, he like talks all weird and like hunches over, and they call him Toad Boy. Mm-hmm. And then you've got like the the hunky full of himself guy. Um, and yep. then two stoners, one of who seemed like he was doing an impersonation of uh, Pauly Shore uh, before Pauly Shore was even around. It's, yeah, it's kind of like that. Then there was another guy that was kind of like an Elvis. Uh, I don't know. I guess that would be the hunky guy. Yeah, who was like just, all full of himself. Oh, my favorite line in the movie was him. His name, His name in real life is Dick, but also his character's name was Dick. And uh, he had a great line where he introduces himself to a girl and he goes, they call me Dick, but you can call me Dick. Oof. Insert laugh track. I, I don't know what if that was supposed to be a joke. <laughs> so that, that's the kind of movie we're dealing with here with ghoulies. Yeah. Essentially, he and the main guy inherits the house and moves into it with his college girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And the minute he's in the house, there's like a unstoppable force that is like making him go into the basement and uncover all the old satanic ritual stuff. And it's almost like he's possessed by his dead father to like continue on the satanic worship or something. They never tell you that. Yeah. It's just like he's in the house, they're cleaning it up and he just finds himself in the basement. Like literally the first night when they're having the party there to like a housewarming party or whatever with the friends, he's just like, it's that scene like the party's dying down and everyone's mm-hmm. trying to decide what to do. Like, should we play a game? Should we do this? Hey, how about spin the bottle or strip poker? And then he's just like, Hey guys, I have an idea. Let's perform a ritual. And then cut to there in the basement. Yeah. And he's like reading crazy shit out of a book and drawing pentagrams on the floor. Yeah. He's like drawing a chalk circle around people where, and they're just going with it. <laughs> I mean, what party do you ever go on? Like, Oh, let's do a ritual. What I oddly fuck? feel like that was a thing back in like maybe the late 60s and early 70s where like people were kind of fascinated with that kind of stuff and would have like little seances and like that's when the Ouija board first came around I think but it is a weird concept like everyone's having a party and they're drinking and as it's winding down instead of just like going out and grabbing some fast food and conking out on the sofa everyone's like hey let's go summon a ghost <laughs> yeah it needed like a scene for of him like 
grappling with some urge or something because it totally just goes into like i've inherited this house let's have a party hey let's go start worshiping some demons <laughs> yeah and then i mean movies called ghoulies i expected it to be similar to critters and gremlins much more about the hijinks of like little monsters attacking people mm-hmm. but they're honestly a pretty minor part of the movie like yeah. they seem to be like low level demons that he is able to bring into the real world. Yeah. And then he's like, you will be my minions. And they, they kind of just creep around for the most part until yeah. the end and, when, and, uh, look, and look terrible. Yeah. They look pretty bad. And they, um, I think that the two little people get more screen time than they do. Well, they do. And I'll guarantee you it's because the puppets were so bad and unbelievable that they were like, okay, let's just have him summon two midgets and they yeah. will be like the ones that actually walk around and have scenes doing things because anytime there's a puppet, it's like when you watch like old Sesame Street or something and like every puppet character is like hanging out from behind a chair or like looking out from <laughs> over a table and you never see the lower yeah. half of their body uh-huh. and there's barely any articulation to the features and stuff. So like instead of speaking or giving facial expressions, they just kind of shake and turn back and forth. Yeah. Like they look like rubber sock puppets and someone's just kind of flicking their hand around inside of it. Yeah. They don't look great. Um, so Terrible. Uh, fun fact, the special effects for this movie were originally going to be done by Stan Winston who, come on. Yeah. It was still kind of early days for him. Um, this was around the same time that, uh, um, Terminator came out. I think Terminator was actually 84 as well, or, yeah, yeah, 84 as well, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, because Stan Winston and Charles Band, the big guy in charge of Empire Pictures, had done a really terrible monster movie before called um, Parasite, which I have seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I rented How it years ago it? from Netflix when I was still getting the discs because I was like, oh, it's got Stan Winston special effects, but it is garbage. Hmm. Okay. Um, I'm pretty sure it stars, uh, what's the woman's name who played Xena? Oh, Lucy Lawless? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it stars Lucy Lawless in an early role. Mm. And Stan Winston had worked on that movie with Charles Band. So the original plan was Charles Band was going to direct Ghoulies. And Stan Winston was going to do the special effects. Then for whatever reason, uh, some dude named Luca Bercovici ended up directing this, who is known more as an actor than a director. Um... And the special effects ended up being done by a guy named John Carl Buechler, who pretty much the only thing he's known for is directing Friday the 13th Part 7. Oh. The one where the main character chick has mental powers. (laughs) And they cut out, like, all of the kill shots. Uh, The censors, like, gutted that movie. And it kind of ruins it. And that was the one I liked a lot when I was growing up, but... He looks the coolest in that one, I think, personally. Mm. But, I don't know yeah. the uh, the ins and outs of his look as well as, as uh, oh. like you and Joel and Tony <laughs> would. But For another time. I just remember the one time I watched that movie thinking how disappointing it was that you would see like him swing at a person and then they'd cut away and then you would see like the aftermath of what happened to them but never the actual mm. kill. Yeah, it's lame. But yeah, that was a big long way around to get to. John Carl Buechler did the special effects for the Ghoulies, and yeah, so it wasn't just, great. <laughs> no, I mean Ghoulies. Ghoulies show up, little people show up. Uh, there's a lots of speaking in tongues. Mm-hmm. Um, Got to throw pe- this out there: the little people's names are Grizzle and Greedy Gut. Yep, 
So, again, top-notch writing in this one. Mm-hmm. At some point, the dad gets resurrected. That yeah. He was out in the garden. Yeah, it's weird. You never see him die. And it's 20 years later, and this guy's just inherited the house, so you would maybe think that the father just died or something, but he's like buried in this ancient-looking grave out in the yard. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the one... The the best looking special effect in the movie to me was when the father is first resurrected and he sits up out of the grave and it's like the first time you see him he's like a a puppet like a creation and then the, like they cut away and when they cut back it's the actual actor with makeup on and it doesn't look as good but when that that like puppet that they created of the father who's like half decomposed sits up out of the grave and his mouth is just like inhumanly agape. Like it actually had a cool look to it. I thought Yeah. for all of three seconds, brief briefest of seconds. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's not a great redeeming quality. So he comes back. I barely remember what he does. He and, uh, the groundskeeper shows up in a wizard costume yeah, and all of a sudden they have like a laser light show yeah, battle that. at the end, like shooting energy at each other. And it just really feels like a different person came along and rewrote the ending of the script or yeah, something. It's just. And then, uh, what is it? The, the son, the girlfriend, and like one of the stoners gets away. Well, they all the get end. away. Um, because, so, yeah. Uh, so if you'll recall when the, um, so the girlfriend is considering leaving the main character because he's like obsessed with the supernatural shit, but then he like uses his powers to take her over. And then mm-hmm. he decides to have another party, like a dinner party because he needs like a bunch of um, oh, people yeah, to perform right. his ritual. Yeah, so he so- invites all of the friends from the beginning back over and they all have dinner while wearing sunglasses, which mm-hmm. as I'm watching the movie, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And I actually looked it up online. And did, do you know why there were so many sunglasses in this movie? <laughs> I read the thing. Tell the people. Yeah. So the plan was ghoulies. I don't know why. They were going to make this movie in 3D. And so the concept was going to be that whenever the characters in the movie put on sunglasses, that's the cue to the audience to put on their 3D glasses. But they abandoned that idea about three days into filming and just didn't reshoot the scene where they're all having dinner with sunglasses on for no reason. Mm-hmm. They just left it in the movie and threw in a random yeah. line where the main character was like, uh, oh, leave the glasses on. Uh, there's a reason you're wearing them. You'll know why later. <laughs> and there is no reason. Nope. And it's not like, I, did he say, like, in the, within the context of the movie, was the main character supposed to have told his friends, hey, bring sunglasses? Because... No, it like, makes too much sense. If he had gone to the store and bought sunglasses for everybody, you'd think he'd have like f- six pairs of generic black sunglasses. But no, everybody has different crazy looking sunglasses. And the like full of himself asshole dude is wearing sunglasses that have little windshield wipers mm. on them. Did you notice that? <laughs> I did. Yeah. Oh, just so weird. It's so bad. There's so many weird decisions. It's just chock full of odd. Yeah. And so at the end, I guess the kid, the main character is trying to bring the father back from the dead and he does so. And the ghoulies all go around and kill all of his friends in the house. So it's just like all the friends are dead. They're kaput. Cannon fodder has become fodder. They've lived out their usefulness. 
And then at the end, when the like wizard battle happens, <laughs> for no fucking reason, all those characters come back to life and they're fine. And then they all escape. Oh, were they in the sheets? Yeah, they were all like oh, wrapped yeah, up yeah. in sheets, like covered in blood. Ugh, and so then weird. for no reason, they like they wake back up again. And it's just like, what? Why? Yeah. Why did they all have to live? I don't understand. And then you get the yeah. So the end scene is son girlfriend stoner guy driving away and then the back of their car is full of ghoulies yeah you think it's all over because they have the classic like as the the undead father and the groundskeeper who has magic powers are fighting in the creepy basement of this old mansion and their lasers are shooting everywhere the whole house starts to come down and it's that like quick everybody run the ceiling's collapsing Mm -hmm. you don't see anything actually collapse because that would have cost too much money but they run outside and they drive away, and then yeah, there's there's ghoulies in the backseat credits. And apparently this movie was a pretty big success for Empire Pictures. Ugh. I have um. to imagine that the budget wasn't very high, which probably attributes to some of this. Um but then like it had an ad campaign that was strong enough that it had like mothers writing to the company to complain Mm. that their children were afraid to go to the bathroom because the poster has a monster coming out of a toilet and all this stuff. And weird part of that too is in the poster, the ghoulie is wearing like a blue sweater and red suspenders, uh, right? Suspenders. Yeah. Then ain't a single ghoulie in that movie wearing any clothes. No, absolutely not. Uh, Unless you count the two little people, but who are dressed like medieval yeah, <laughs> like they were minions. They were, yeah, they were dressed like uh, Ren- Renaissance fair people. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then apparently also they shot the, like in the movie, there's actually the shot of that green ghoulie coming out of the toilet, mm-hmm. but he is not wearing any clothes. So it doesn't even match the poster, like you say. And apparently they only filmed that shot of him coming out of the toilet because after they made the movie, they came up with the ad campaign idea of the ghoulie coming out of the toilet. Don't ask me why they thought of that and were like, this is brilliant. Now we have to film it and put it in the movie. But that's the way it happened. Because I'm I'm like the target audience of that same thing where I was like, I saw that poster over the years. I'm telling you, within six minutes of watching this movie, I was like, how the fuck does this movie match up to that poster of that <laughs> ghoulie in, in small children's clothes coming out of a toilet yeah i don't know man me neither but uh yeah this whole movie there's like levels of like cheesy 80s horror and this is somewhere not all the way at the bottom i've seen far worse than this well, i mean but, if you had to put in a list of how many 80s horror movies are there <laughs> There's a lot. There's a There's shit a lot. ton. Yeah. But this is pretty low on the list. And, you know, we, we've we said it already on these past couple episodes and talking about Gremlins just a little while ago. Like, practical effects, love them in general. Um, if they're bad, it doesn't really detract from the movie for me necessarily. As long as, like, everything else about the movie is is firing on all cylinders and I'm enjoying it or whatever. This movie, it's more noticeable just because it's fucking boring and you're just dying for any scenes with the ghoulies to like, because it's called ghoulies and you want to see the monsters and they do so little in the movie and they appear so infrequently. And honestly, it takes them forever to show up that 
it's just like it's a slog. It's just so boring. And from scene to scene, there's no plot thrust. You're just like, Mm. what is making any of these characters go from one scene to the next and make these decisions they're making? This movie was an outright chore to watch. Yeah, it is. It's not great for sure. There's no there's no redeeming quality to Ghoulies. I'll say it right now. Like, I couldn't even tell you like, oh, it's so bad. It's good. It's just bad. Yeah, I mean, I as mean, as a film itself, I ain't recommending it to anybody. Um, I do feel like just because of the the ad campaign and the time that it came out and the impact that it the small impact that it did have, I feel like it's still oddly, minorly important to like the '80s, like independent cinema era. Well, that would be the one reason I would say it's like you know, worth checking out. Like I can now scratch it off my list and say, I've seen it. I'll probably never watch it again. Well, I mean, I feel like for people like us, that mm-hmm. the, you know, scratching those names off the list is important. Yeah. Most people. Yes. Not <laughs> most people are just like, stay away from it. Yeah. If you are a normal human being, yeah, don't, don't bother with yeah. ghoulies. Quite frankly, if you've never seen the poster or heard of ghoulies, there's no reason for you to watch it. Yeah. Now, Here's a question. I think I know the answer, but do you have even the slightest interest in watching the sequels? No. I want to watch two purely because I want to know if that's the one that I've seen before and if it would ring any bells. (laughs) Well, you know me, Milsey. I'm a glutton for punishment, so... If you say you want to make it happen, we'll make it happen. I'm not saying I'm going to choose it for uh, an episode <laughs> of the show. I'm just saying that uh, I may, in my own free time, oh, watch okay. Ghoulies too. But so you're uh, a glutton for punishment. Yeah, I definitely am that. Anyone will tell you that. Okay. But uh, yeah, on the whole, not a whole lot good to say about this movie. No, let's move on, please. <laughs> right. So uh, third and final film. Uh, on our list, we have Critters from 1986. Oh, my God, Jay. Oh, Mom. What the hell are those things? They're from outer space, like Charlie says. Bradley. Maybe there's some government experiment gone haywire. They used to be gophers, but got zapped by some radioactive... Bradley, what are we going to do now? Do you have any history with this franchise? Have you seen any of these before? I do. Um... I've certainly seen this one, probably not since I was a kid, mm-hmm. but I remember it quite like uh, fondly, even though I, I, I forgot lots of details, but I remembered how they looked. I remembered the like intergalactic bounty hunters. <laughs> yes. You know, I remembered like the guy's faces once as soon as I saw them kind of thing. I forgot about like their shape changing green faces, Oh, but I remembered their human forms. So little random things like that. I mean, we're talking, I was four years old when it came out. I mean, I haven't seen it in 25 years, probably. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I can remember liking it. I mean, we were big, like, monster movie kids, me and my two brothers. Like, one of them especially, we were just, we ate this stuff up like it was, like there was no tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think I mentioned maybe last episode, um talking about the uh, the small mom and pop video store maybe it was the first episode mm-hmm. we did when mm-hmm. i was talking about yeah, deep star 6 did. because um for some reason critters 2 
The Stuff and Deep Star Six are the movies I would rent repeatedly from that little mom and pop video store in town when I was a kid. Nice. Um, I hadn't seen Gremlin. So I've seen all four of them. There are four Gremlins or uh, Critters movies. Um, I've seen the second one probably the most times, but it had been for goddamn ever. <laughs> like mm-hmm. since I was a kid. Um, for a good long while, I owned the first one on DVD. So I've seen that one more, more recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has, I still have not seen three and four in forever. Um, okay. I, I did rewatch two after I watched one just because that's the one I had the most fondness for as a kid. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, Always liked two more, and I can say a hundred percent two pales in comparison to one. <laughs> like mm. it is not as good as I remembered. Mm-hmm. Uh, in almost the same way that Gremlins two goes like full on comedy after yeah. the first one is kind of a mixed genre. Um, Critters two does pretty much the same thing. It is like mm. all humor, whereas the first Critters has some humor. Some. Yeah. Um, I liked this movie quite a bit, watching mm-hmm. it. Um, I had a lot of fun watching this one. We'll come right out and say it. <laughs> um, there's not much plot, really. No. It's it's pretty, moves pretty quickly. It's only hour 29, I think. Yeah, something like that. Um, it's another great example of what we were talking about last episode. Um, I love this subgenre of like small town Something comes from hmm. the sky oh, yeah. and like, you know, just the locals have to deal with it. Craziness yep. ensues like killer clowns from outer space. Right. Slither was a great like modern yeah. uh, version of that. And I mean, it doesn't come from space, but honestly, Gremlins is the same thing. Yeah, I'll go with that. Um, Quickly, critters uh, break out of space prison. Yeah, that's a part that I always forget about. I I did too. Just I remembered that the space bounty hunters, so I knew they came from space. I yeah. forgot that it was like they broke out of prison, like they are smart and they can talk and all that stuff mm-hmm. to each other. Yeah, their speech is just like little. <laughs> but then every the, now and then they'll put subtitles on the screen. Yeah. Like the greatest subtitle in every any movie ever is when uh, the critters are trying to break into the front door of the house, and I think the front door swings open, and the mother, played by D. Wallace, is there aiming a shotgun at him. And uh, maybe he, maybe the other critter next to him gets shot, and then the subtitle—it's just a, an image of a critter, and he like makes this little noise, and the subtitle just says "fuck" in the middle of the yeah. screen, and then he rolls away. Uh huh. I actually, uh, I took a screen cap of right before that because for whatever reason, it's just so funny to me. There's two critters standing on the step. One's looking at him, and it's just they have weapons. <laughs> oh yeah, that's great too. <laughs> oh, I love it. So yeah, it just, it just killed me. Yeah, so yeah, the beginning of the movie, it's like a prison transport, and the critters, or as the, the alien species within the movie know them as krites, it's mm-hmm. like their species name or whatever. Yep. Um, they hijack a ship, they break out of prison, they hijack a ship, and they come to Earth to feed. And right. um, whatever like intergalactic police force or whatever there is, they call on these two shape shifting bounty hunters to come down to earth and wipe out the, the crates because they're like intergalactic criminals or something, mm-hmm. which out of context, of the rest of the movie is just like, how big is this universe? <laughs> right. With a, this could be like, this could take place in the guardians, of the galaxy universe or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Like the guys are even dressed slightly like uh, like Star Lord, the bounty hunters. Yeah, they got a little Ravager look to them. Yeah, red leather. But um, that is something I've always loved. That's just like typically you have you know meteorite comes down, creature like the blob or whatever from Slither comes out, chaos mm-hmm. ensues in the small town and they have to stop it. But I love that little extra added sci-fi element of this one that there are space cops who shapeshift. Yeah. And just the idea of like they scan their environment or they watch videos to learn about Earth before they go mm-hmm. there. And then they just like the the main guy, Ugg, he picks like he freeze frames on a like an 80s rock star and then just turns into that 80s rock star. Johnny Steele. Yeah. And as he's like wandering around this town killing the Krites, like random people will see him and be like, Johnny Steele? Yeah, it's got the biggest 80s hair. Yeah. He plays it very serious. He's got the most serious face ever in that movie. Yeah. Well, do you know that he is like a Shakespearean actor? He, he <laughs> no. comes from Broadway. Like he actually sang that uh, the Johnny Steele song in the movie Power of oh. the Night. That they showed the music video for. Yeah, that's actually him singing it. I love it. Um, It's better and better. He's been in a ton of Broadway productions. He's most well known for Cats in like the early 80s or something. But I actually downloaded that song, Power of the Night. It it is like, that could have played on the fucking radio. It was released by (laughs) by a record studio, like with the soundtrack for Critters. Uh Uh-huh. And, um... Like I, I feel like that could have gotten radio play. It's actually Man. a pretty good '80s like rock song. It's never too late, Millsy. Power of the night, the streets are calling. It's so good, Johnny Steele. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's awesome that they actually got like a a musician to play that role. I'll be honest, me too. And this is like one of the few like film roles he's ever had. But he's in all four Critters movies. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Which I think is cool. Yeah. And then I also love the fact that the other shape-shifting bounty hunter, um, he, like, can't decide, so he keeps changing, <laughs> and it just adds a little something to it. Like, yeah. Uh-huh. First he's the, he's nothing for a bit, then he's the, the priest. No, no, the first local... he's the dead cop, and that was an oh. idea that I think is great. Like, he doesn't yeah. just shapeshift into a cop, he shapeshifts into the dead cop, so the cop is laying on the ground with, like, blood running down his face, and... He literally looks at that person and thinks mm-hmm. that's how he looks. So he right. shapeshifts to look like the dead cop, which With I neck, thought was neck great. neck wound and everything. Yeah. Like, I had forgotten about that that's element right. of the movie. It's only in there yeah. for a little while, but I love that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, then he's the priest for a little while, and then he's Charlie, the kind of, like, simple-minded, drunk farmhand. Yeah. Village drunk. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and that's kind of just, like, destruction from there. You know, the... The critters roll around. They, they, you know, they're bowling a lot of critter balls in this movie. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, the the two the two mercenary uh, bounty hunters. You know, you almost wonder when you're watching it: Are they there to help? Or are they there to destroy everything too? Because <laughs> well, they mostly just like tune up the the local townspeople. Yeah, that's true. They do. They just don't give a shit. Um, it's funny, like in you know standard cop movies you always have like ever since dirty harry the cop that like plays to the tune of his own drum and you Mm -hmm. know takes things too far and they always have to take his gun and his badge well when that weird blobby alien thing like comes on the hologram in the beginning and is like you bounty Mm -hmm. hunters have a new mission you have to go catch these crites on earth 
he specifically says uh, something about, um, like, and can you see if you can cause a little less destruction than your last mission mm-hmm. or something like that? So nice. these are just like devil may care bounty hunters who just do whatever to get the job done. I mean, oh, they're yeah. blowing the shit out of everything with those laser cannons. Yeah. Which is nice to see, too. They just had some random, very random uh, gun design. Yeah. It's just like a big, long dick that, like, extends a little bit, and then they shoot green lasers. <laughs> that, like, sits, like, swivels on their hip. Yeah, I love that. Uh-huh. I love everything about them. The look of them, the concept behind them. Like, yeah. even if you took the critters out, like, I would like to see a sequel just about the bounty hunters on some other mission. Yeah, like, the, the movies could just be the bounty hunters, like, hunting different things. Yeah. Not just critters. I love those guys. Um. Yeah, you know, they, they basically it centers around them and then that the one family in the farmhouse that just gets fucked with the whole movie. Yep. Um, critters start, I don't know, they just start growing once they start eating? Yeah, I guess so. It's never fully explained, but they do yeah. get bigger eventually. They only kill two people. Yeah, the, the cop dies. And then who's the other one? Oh, Billy Zane. That's right. This is Billy oh, Zane's yeah. first movie. Oh, no, second oh, movie, if you count oh, Back yeah. to the Future. <laughs> If anyone's going to have a Billy Zanathon, you can definitely throw uh, critters in there. Yeah, with just the weirdest looking hair with that like little oh, yeah. mini ponytail thing in the back. Yeah, which is very odd. He yeah. buys it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's just a lot of running around, and then they start growing. I actually forgot. I don't remember this at all about there being a giant like man-sized critter at the end. Yeah. And even though he's on like the box art. Yeah, but I mean, if on the box art, it's not you like he's sta- yeah, there's no banana know. for scale. I mean, you of course he, he could be any size. He looks just like a normal critter, but he's bigger. But even well, I just mean like so much. Like I saw the box art again. I was like, oh yeah, and you could see the arms and legs. And like you can't, you can kind of see them on the the little guys, mm-hmm. but he does look distinctly different. Although you never get a good shot of him at full size either. <laughs> yeah. Which I was kind of like really wait because I didn't remember that at all. So at that point, I'm like excited. I'm like, yeah. I was like, dude, <laughs> I don't remember any of this. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I had this one pretty well in my memory, just because, mm-hmm. like I say, I uh, I, I owned this one on DVD, so I'd seen this one a number of times before. But uh, I did forget about the the space opening, like I said earlier. Yeah. Um, this I'll jump right to it because this this movie for Triple Threat Theater. This movie has my favorite. I'll call it like asshole monster moment yet uh-huh. where, you know, the, the girl, girl gets saved. Um, they take her off the ship cause the critters are going to fly away. Mm-hmm. Uh, the little brother throws the dynamite in there. They throw a Molotov cocktail. It flies away. So the critters are gone. Everybody else is on the ground. Critters are flying away. They're out of there, right? Yep. These assholes just go right over to the house and blow it up oh, for yeah. no reason. That's right. The critters think they're off scot-free and they're like, God, those humans gave us a lot of trouble. Let's just go blow up their fucking house. Like, we're leaving hungry. We didn't get to eat those humans. Let's blow up their house right in front of them. And then they take off. That is and then funny. They, and then they explode from the dynamite, which was great. Yeah. But man, so, so far for Triple Threat. That's my favorite, like, just monsters, just being monsters, blowing up that house for no good reason. Best monster asshole moment. I can't wait until we maybe top that someday. So, hey, it'll have to be a thing. <laughs> of course, I have to say I was super bummed when the when the bounty hunters put the house back together with a f- 
uh, space science. Yeah, that's it's it's like, kind of like in Ghoulies when they bring those people back to life at the end for no yeah. real good reason. It's like you can't just leave the house blowing up. Right. Like I would if this was a if we we're doing like a scale of uh, how many stars I was giving this movie. It would get a whole extra one if the house stayed blowed up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was just... isn't it enough that the entire main family survived? I mean, <laughs> it, this does yeah. have a small body count for a monster yeah. movie from the 80s. Um, and like, right. that's not enough? You couldn't, like, let the fucking house blow up? Like, I don't even think the critters ate the cat. So, like, even the family cat's okay. Yeah, yeah the cat. Uh, Chewy. Chewy got away. Yeah. But, yeah, so I was, like, bummed. I mean, I still love it that it happened. It was, like, kind of crazy... I feel like they probably spent a lot of budget putting the house back together in that like reverse destruction scene. Yeah, but I don't know. Just a just a weird f- element. I'm not sure filmmaker's why they did it, really. decision. Yeah, but it was it was great just to see. Just I want to make a gif of just the critters flying over the house and blowing it up and then laughing. <laughs> I would put they, that in rotation if you did. Yeah, and then they get blowed up. Good, uh, happy, happy houses together. Yeah. There's a couple uh, critter eggs in the farmhouse and or in the barn. Fade to black. Yep. Critters. Uh, I just want to talk about the critters themselves for a minute because okay. um, this is another thing I've talked about numerous times on Sidetracked with Jesse is uh, when it comes down to monsters for me. Um, I love horror movies. Monster movies specifically are like my favorite genre of movie probably. And um, like... I always had something against like Frankenstein and Dracula werewolves and vampires and stuff in general, just because they seem kind of typical. And I have always loved things like the alien at the time. Mm -hmm. There was like nothing like it or tremors. Like those are completely original or the predator is like, even if you know, it looks cool anyway, it looks just kind of like a guy in a suit until you take the mask off, but just the concept behind it. And it's like a intelligent hunter. It's not just like a bloodthirsty beast or whatever. Mm -hmm. And Honestly, kind of right up there with those for me is Critters. I mean, I did watch these movies when I was a kid, but I just like how different they are, even from gremlins as like little creatures that attack you. Like just the idea that they roll up into a ball and they roll instead of running. And I get Uh that that's probably just a practical thing because it was easier to roll a furry ball across the floor than puppet (laughs) something running. Hey, again, that's back to us talking about the 80s and just like problem solving. Yeah. Like, would the Critters have rolled around if that movie was made today? I, I, I don't know. I doubt it. Um, just like the big mouth with all the teeth and the glowing red eyes, all that stuff is gravy. I love the fact that they're covered in fur, so they almost the, look kind of cute. The and glowing red eyes is great. That's yeah, yeah. That scene where um, D. Wallace is looking out the mm-hmm. kitchen window and those glowing red eyes hit her, mm-hmm. it's actually pretty creepy looking. Yeah, it really is. Um, and then also the fact that they have those little spines that they can shoot at you and then they, like, paralyze you. Yeah. I just love all of that. I love all of the little things that make the critters unique. They put a nasty wound on those people for the, yeah, it's hit with the steel. Yeah. I love all of that. Like even though critters is lesser than all of those other movies I named, it's not as good as the thing. It's not as good as aliens Mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. predator or tremors. Um, I, I still honestly hold those creatures up like in that yeah. same level as the rest of those just for like ingenuity and being different. Yeah. Cause they, and it looked good. Like there was a couple different spaceship things that they made spaceships for that didn't look bad. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of the movie looks good. It doesn't, it doesn't feel low budget like ghoulies did. Yeah. So, um, nice. 
I guess a little bit of behind the scenes stuff really quick. Uh, so the movie's directed by Stephen Herrick, uh, director of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Mm-hmm. I, I will say Critters was his first movie, but uh, okay. shortly thereafter, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, which isn't like a huge movie, but I used to watch that a lot as a kid with my sister. Yeah, me too. Uh, directed the first Mighty Ducks. Oh. Directed Mr. Holland's Opus. Okay. And directed the live-action 101 Dalmatians. Wow. Uh, he made a couple of movies there in the late 90s that pretty much bombed, and since then he's worked mostly in television, but that's pretty nuts that, like, the same guy that directed Critters directed Mr. Holland's Opus and the Mighty Ducks. Yeah. Well, it, kind of, it goes back to, like, uh, who John Watts, to the clown that we talked about. Yeah. Ended up, ended up doing Spider-Man. Spider-Man. It's like it. The big, these small beginnings people come from is pretty wild. Yeah. It's just nuts how these days people go from like small beginning to immediately like a franchise like well, Colin sure, Trevorrow sure. with uh, Jurassic World or whatever. But yeah, it's it's interesting. Just I never, never in all the years I've loved Critters have bothered to look up the director and see that he actually yeah. went on to do the things that other people like. And was it this movie, the Chioda Brothers? Uh, yes, they did. Your, oh, your buddies from the Killer Clowns from Outer Space uh-huh. did the the critter effects, uh-huh. which looked good. Yeah, I and mean, I can't knock them. Yeah, they definitely did. I love that, of course. Um, the sequel, I said, like I said, I just watched uh, the second one, and mm-hmm. it is not nearly as good as I remember. Mm. Um, was directed by Mick Garris who does the uh, post-mortem podcast that you and I both like to listen to, where he interviews horror directors. Mm -hmm. Um, That was actually his first. I didn't know he directed anything. Oh, yeah. Um, He directed the the Stand television miniseries and the Shining remake television miniseries with the guy from Wings. Um, He's directed a bunch of Stephen King adaptations, and Critters was his first movie that he directed. Um, he actually got the gig because he worked on that old anthology show, Amazing Stories, that was produced by Steven Spielberg, and he got him the job directing Critters 2 somehow. No shit. Yeah. Okay. Um. So then, as far as the cast is concerned, I've mentioned her a couple times. Dee Wallace is the mother. Um, mm-hmm. She is also the mom in E.T. Mm-hmm. She's the mom in Cujo. She's the mm-hmm. mom in The Hills Have Eyes. <laughs> oh, wow. And um, she's another one who was in, like, all those movies, like, in the 80s, and then kind of fell off the face of the earth. Um, she's done, like, a bazillion TV shows and stuff, but then it's kind of neat to me that Rob Zombie has brought her back and put her in some oh, of his recent horror nice. movies. I was going to say, I bet she'd clean up at, like, horror conventions. Oh, I'm sure, long. yeah. Um, she was Laurie Strode's adopted adoptive parents in or her adoptive mother in the Halloween remake that Rob Zombie did. And she was also in, uh, uh, what's it called? The witch movie that, uh, that Rob Zombie made a couple oh, of years ago. Salem Lords. Of yeah. Salem. Lords of Salem. Um, one of my, another one of my favorite, that guy actors, M. Emmett Walsh plays the, uh, the sheriff, the sheriff Harv, mm-hmm. who he's just been in a goddamn million things. Um, lots of people would probably recognize him for his small part in Blade Runner, but, uh, Mm. to me, he'll always be, uh, the bad guy in Blood Simple, the Coen Brothers first movie. (laughs) Oh, nice. And he's also in Missing in Action with Chuck Norris, among other things. Oh, kind of always plays that surly character. Yeah. Kind of like a Southern sweaty 
like sarcastic jerk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh man, it's such a fucking shame. His character is in Critters Two, but he I, he didn't come back for some reason. And they replaced him, and the new guy's not nearly oh, as good. God damn it! Like literally plays the same character. I had to look it up to be sure, but mm-hmm. it's supposed mm-hmm. to be him, and the guy's not as good. Mm. Um, yeah, I already mentioned Terrence Mann, the guy that played uh, Johnny Steele, <laughs> aka yep. Ugg. My man. Yeah. Um, and another. Transformers voice acting connection the voice of the critters was the guy uh, who did the voice of Spike Witwicky on the Transformers cartoon oh. Corey Burton yeah. all right yeah I can dig it and then of course Billy Zane <laughs> Billy Zane yeah oh, so it's great yeah um I do enjoy this movie um I do too very much yeah, it's it's funny that uh, I used to love the second one so much, but I, I can see why I liked that one more when I was a kid because it is like more jokey and goofier, and it has boobs in it. Mm-hmm. Oh, but um, we've grown up and become sophisticated now. Yeah, now now boobs only add a half star to a movie, not a full star <laughs> for me. But, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, had fun watching this one again. Well, hey, let's waste no time. Break it down. Uh, man, this is, it's, it's always fucking tough for me. Is this easy for you? I have a feeling oh, it's easier so for you than it is for me. It could, couldn't be easier. <laughs> All right, g- give me yours. Well, uh, dumpster fire ghoulies, yeah. burn it, mm-hmm. borrow critters, buy gremlins. <laughs> gremlins has, now, critters is a great example of like a sci-fi horror creature 80s movie. Mm-hmm. For all the same reasons we just talked about. But um, Gremlins just has the charm. Mm-hmm. That Gremlins isn't always from. a better film, honestly. Mm-hmm. My trouble here, obviously I would also burn ghoulies. That, that movie For sure. is not very good at all. Fire it into space. <laughs> so I would burn ghoulies. I feel like it would be such a betrayal to say borrow Gremlins because... It is fucking Gremlins, like mm-hmm. you know, it's an Amblin Entertainment film, and I was like, do it, do whatever your heart says. But I have to admit, especially this this go round, watching all these movies in the last week, I think I got more enjoyment out of Critters than I did Gremlins, and I definitely have more history with Critters in general than I do with Gremlins. I'm going to throw you a curveball here. I'm going to say burn Ooh. ghoulies, borrow gremlins, buy critters. I like your style. I can't knock it. <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know, we're circling the same waters here. Yeah. But, uh, we haven't and, matched yet, have we, in three episodes? I know, because you liked Killer Clowns. Yeah, and I and I think I liked, uh, I gave Deep Star 6 a better... Oh yeah, because you like Deep Rising. I I punted it. Oh yeah, that's right. So yeah, yeah, interesting. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's gonna keep the people coming back. <laughs> well, speaking of, pe- of keeping people coming back, oh. uh, why don't you light up the random number generator and let's oh. see if we get something other than monsters for the next episode? <laughs> yes, please. Uh, I will say that we have one hundred and six possible subjects. Mm-hmm. At the current time, so that's the number you're shooting for. Well, luckily, we've broken the stream. Uh, well, I've got 25. 25, 25. 
25 is going to be Love in the Age of Science. <laughs> that is the subject. Uh-huh. Will it this be is... monsters? Who knows? This, this could mean anything, Love in the Age this, of Science. This this will be fun. <laughs> this is going to be interting for sure. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, we got work to do. Yes, we do. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I guess... You can ponder what you think the three movies are going to be that fit that category. Mm-hmm. And uh, until whenever the hell it is we post another one of these, um, I'll remain Ryan Miller. And I'm Joe Daxberger. Thanks for watching. That was one of the finest movies I've ever seen. They ought to make them all like that. None of this nonsense about social matters. People don't go to the movies to see how miserable the world is. They go there to eat popcorn and be happy. Be happy, happy, happy. happy.